0: Managing money is time-consuming, difficult and well, sometimes just stressful. Does it leave you confused, exhausted and frustrated? Having those countless arguments with your parents and rant sessions with your friends all leading to the same piece of advice. You need to spend responsibly and save money. But the real question is, how? How do you achieve this? Well, come discover the simple truths about money with Finlet. Better yet, deep dive with us in our weekly podcasts and learn the most practical tips and tricks that can help you lead that life of financial stability.
1: Islamic finance is a $2 trillion dollar industry and today we chat with Saif who currently works for Ratings and has been involved in the Islamic finance industry since he was 18 years old. We hope you enjoy the episode.
0: Hi guys, welcome to yet another podcast uh, hosted by Finlect. We're super excited today to have a senior analyst, someone who specializes in Islamic finance to talk to us about the, you know, the basics and exactly what Islamic finance entails and how we as young people can equip ourselves with this knowledge and also, you know, make the best out of these uh, schemes and these, you know, uh, layouts that Islamic finance brings with it. So hello, Seth, we're super excited to have you on board. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Hello there. Hi, how are you, Monica?
0: I'm great. I'm great.
1: Great. firstly, thank you so much to you and the team at Fendlick for having me on board with you. I've been observing you guys uh, for almost three, four months now, and you guys have been doing some incredible work. So keep the good work going forward. Uh, a little bit about myself. My name is Sef Shaki. I have been a part of the Islamic finance industry since I was 18 years old. In other words, uh, I finished school and uh, I found an opportunity at an at a advisory firm. And uh, I took it up. And uh, since then, my passion in life has been this industry, the financial services industry. And in my talk, I will let you know why that is so. And so perhaps you guys can find some inspiration and uh, some way of finding how this industry can actually benefit you. Uh, so I started off my career in consultancy, then I moved when I finished my college degree college degree to, into uh, banking. I used to work at Albuquerque Banking Group. And Bahrain, and uh, then as opportunities had it, I was uh, I shifted to Dubai, and on the first of Feb uh, this year. And here I work at Fitch Ratings uh, as a senior analyst in the Islamic Finance team. It's an amazing country so far, so I'm enjoying every bit of Dubai. Of, of course, apart from the pandemic. Uh,
0: the pandemic and the heat, which I'm assuming you're yeah, used to, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, quite used to it. So.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, so Seph, tell us a little bit about your personal journey with money. Like, when was the first time you sort of realized maybe the value of money or what kind of money management is required as a young adult?
1: I mean, if you ask... <laughs> Many people. What's the most important thing in your life? If you can list three, four things, which is most, which is the most important thing? Some may say family. You know, you may add education, but money is definitely a part of what is really important for personal well-being, right? So, I mean, it's like health. Uh, You know, if if you're healthy, then you can really enjoy your life. Same goes for money. If you are, if you're financially fit, you can really also enjoy your life and be, you know, safe from. Bad things that happened to us. Uh, so my 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 experience with money started when I was in eighth grade. Uh, when you know people used to ask me, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" You know, which courses do you want to take uh, in your eleventh and twelfth? And I was never the science person. I I used to get good mark in science, but I was never you not know, fascinated by the subject. But it's in those days when uh, we had the global financial crisis, and uh, you know, you, I used to see reports of you know people being laid off all around the world. From the u.s even till dubai and in my home country of Bahrain, uh so i used to wonder you know like why is it why is it that people lose their job what went wrong you know it, it really made me uh refocus my attention towards the entire concept of money and how we as individuals can better manage money to you know avoid situations like the global financial crisis then and now the pandemic that we have so that's how it started for me and right. uh yeah since then you know i continued my focus my education in the field of finance and uh, i have learned a lot and uh, happy to share whatever i like.
0: that's great so i'm actually interested to know you know as a, as a student let's say whether it was you know the turning point you faced in 8th standard or let's say when you had to choose you know what you wanted to study further in 11th and 12th 12th grade at at what point did you realize that you know, my formal education, maybe your school or your university is not, you know, maybe equipping me with the kind of personal finance skill set that I need. Or did you like never feel that?
1: No, I mean, it is really sad, of course, that our education educational systems don't cater to that. Uh, you know, they may teach you uh, things like cellular biology. They may teach you things <laughs> like, you know, art, uh, but yeah. you know, the, the thing which impacts, you know, literally each one of us, they miss on that. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was around the same time I read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And ah, It yes, was during really the beginning of my financial education. Uh, if you guys have not read the book, I highly advise you to, you know, take it up. You can find it in most of the nearest bookstores. Uh, it really opens your mind to, You know, how you can really manage your money and you know, what do you what do you need to look forward to when you start to earn money? And how do you manage that money which you gain? So that, that was my kickstarting starting point.
0: I completely agree with you. It's a very, it's a, it's a, I think it's a great book to kind of start to understand finance in a very simple but a very impactful way. What exactly is Islamic finance? And what do you do as a senior analyst specializing in Islamic finance? For
1: sure. Uh, so as the name sounds, Islamic finance is uh, providing financial services in a way which complies with the Islamic ethical guidelines. That's the most simple way I can explain to you. So, for example, to make it more relatable, you have, you know, meat, which is halal, right? So, at least in Dubai, you may not find that in places in the US and Europe, but there is something called halal meat. There's something called kosher meat. So, even for financial services, uh, there are some ethical guidelines which people of the Muslim faith tend to follow in order to be Sharia compliant or make their practices in line with their... Uh, religious values uh the principles remain very simple and actually universal it's not something very specific to the creed of mine uh principles like uh, you know ethical investment do not invest in things which are harmful to the society uh do not invest in tobacco or the sin sector or you know prostitution or alcohol or uh, you know anything which is detrimental to society as such uh islamic uh, financial principles call for avoiding them. Another very core cool principle of what uh, Islamic finance is: do not deal in interest. Now, this uh, principle is shared across, uh, you know, Christianity, across Judaism, and, uh, and many of the world uh, religions. But what Islamic finance has done is actually, you know, practicalize it in terms of, you know, how individuals, how corporates, how SMEs, and even how governments can actually implement it. So. Uh, you know, it started off. I mean, in its modern form, Islamic finance started in 1970s uh, in in Dubai, actually, in uh, oh, through Dubai Islamic Bank. Yeah, it was the first Islamic bank in the world. And uh, since then, since the 1970s, we have had more than 1,400 Islamic banks in more than 75 countries. And uh, in 2002, uh, the size of the global financial services, financial services and Islamic financial services industry was 145 billion. But you know, today it is worth two trillion dollars. Wow. Okay. So that's a humongous growth growth over a span of 20, 30 or 40 years. Right. And uh, but despite the growth it has achieved, uh, it's still less than one percent of global financial services. That's that's the mo- that's the catch really. So it's still growing. It's still uh, in its nascent stage. And um, let's see, Um, people like me are there to help it grow, right?
0: (laughs) Yes. And thank God for that, right? But again, let's get back to the basics. So for somebody who's just, you know, maybe getting their first bank account or something, how how would you explain the Sharia law to them? Because Islamic finance, like you said, is basically following uh, certain rules and uh, I think ethical regulations set up by the Muslim faith. And we live in a region that's predominantly, obviously, Muslim. So what exactly does... This, this whole concept of Sharia law mean?
1: Mm-hmm. When it comes to the actual implementation, uh, well, there are many facets to it. As an individual, I mean, uh, if you're opening your first bank account, you may have, uh, you know, a, a current account or savings account. Uh, okay, now we need to step one step back. Okay. Why does anybody open a bank account? Why does anybody actually get banking services, whether it's financing or loans? They may, for example, want to place to keep their money safe, or they may want to actually, you know, uh, borrow money for, you know, building a house or you know, buying a car or, you know, for meeting their uh, businesses' working capital finance needs, right? So each of these, uh, what Sonic Finance has done is that it has seen the needs of individuals and corporates uh, and SMEs, you know, people who actually run these many of the small companies in this country, and uh, they have developed products which actually, you know, in some ways or form, uh, give us the economic value of banking as it is, without, uh, you know, help, without compromising on the benefits they receive. You know, from so, for example, if you were just to just to give you one simple analogy, if. Uh, You know, if you went to a restaurant to have halal meat and a non-halal meat, uh, essentially the services are the same. Uh, This this is the same meat, but it's just the way the transactions are executed, uh, which makes a difference. So from a purely structuring and legal perspective, uh, you may have many uh, accounts which are, uh, you know, legally structured as Murabaha, which is, uh, for another day, I have a one or two or Islamic finance two or two discussion, but these are Sharia compliant contracts. Which are aligned with Islamic values. So there's murabaha, mudaraba, uh, partnership contracts. Uh, uh, you know, this is how Islamic financial services is actually run. And it's, it's at, at a fundamental level, it's more mostly based on trade. So uh, Islamic financial services, all they do is buy and sell assets instead of you know, loaning money.
0: Right. Okay. Because loaning doesn't fall under the ethical rules of of the Islamic faith, right? Loaning
1: at interest, yes.
0: Loaning at interest, yes. Thank you for that correction.
1: We hope that you were able to gain some basic knowledge on Islamic finance through this episode with SAFE. And I hope you'll join us when we continue our conversation soon.